what's on the table today, man? Listen, I'm sorry. you know, every week. Elder, pastor, what's on the table today? <laughs> Friend, <Yes. laughs> ex roommate. <laughs> but um, listen, you know, we are, you know, we're still in the pandemic. I think uh, last week, um, you know, actually, last couple of weeks, we are reminded that we are still in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we are opening up the churches, though. And uh, we're trying to do that cautiously for some. Some are just, you know, come, come, come as you are, right? But we want to get a feel of how is it for some who have returned. So we actually entitled this program, The Return, The Return. So we want to know, you know, how is it? You know, what are some things that might be different? What are some things that you may want to discard? We want to get a feel of what it's like now that people are returning back to the building. So this is going to be a really yeah. interesting show. What is worship like? What is liturgy? I think in our, <laughs> in our, in our titles and stuff, we use that word liturgy. We're going to, we're going to open that up a little bit later on, but uh, good. So, uh, Pastor Wade, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about worship in a post-pandemic world. Um, how, what's going to be different? What's changed? What needs to remain the same? What should change? We're looking forward to that conversation. We know everybody's got an opinion um, on that, and uh, we'd love to hear them. So as we go throughout this conversation today, we want you to chime in in the chat. Um, Pastor Wade, who is at the table today, Doc? Today, we we felt that we didn't just need to bring uh, the 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 heavy hitters we we had to bring the thunder hitters ah, ah, and ah. so we we went far and wide looked we even crossed the border crossed the border to bring man. we brought some heavy thunder hitters today uh, i'm excited to have these two guests uh, at our table today um i am speaking none other than pauline christian who is uh from toronto canada let's toronto. give it up for our Canadian. In our right. group, Toronto, Toronto is in the house. She's here. She has been a a um, an advocate for youth ministries. as how I met her. But she has a, a perspective on on ministry and a perspective on on Christian lifestyles that I thought would be a great addition to this conversation today. And we have the renowned elder of the online Wakanda Seventh Day Adventist Fellowship. Almost that church. <laughs> well, uh, Elder Saba Womp, Wompka, I think is how I said it. I may have said it wrong, but please forgive me, Saba. <laughs> uh, I'll go to the woodshed after that. But we're so glad to have these two um, women of God to be with us here today. Absolutely, absolutely. Sa- Saba Wampa. I think that I get that right. We got it right. Saba Wampa. Listen, okay. I, I want to say this about Saba. Saba is the founder or co founder of one of the largest. Seventh-day Adventist online communities, and particularly with people of color um, in the world, on the planet, in the universe. Um, and so she um, she had a vision, she had a mindset for once this, once uh, it wasn't really, I'll have her talk to us a little bit about it, but I think it pre-existed, it predated the, the quarantine and, and the pandemic, correct? Right. 
Yeah, so it wasn't. It was prior to that, that that this online virtual space and safe space kind of thing was, was created. So I'm, I'm very interested to hear how that plays in, that whole concept plays into this conversation about what going back to church looks like. Um, but ladies, we are just so excited and thrilled to have both of you with us today. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to just greet the audience, to say whatever it is that you want to say to whoever it is that you'd like to say it to. Maybe just tell us a little bit more about you and, and where you are, what you're doing, what's going on with you in your world. Um, we normally give preachers about 30.7 seconds or so. Um, we know you are not preachers, so we're going to uh, give you... Uh, uh, Pastor Wade, Dr. Henry, how much time should we give him today? Uh, Let's give him 35 35 seconds. 35 seconds. Even, even we, we can't do an even number. That's that's just not very PRT of us. This is an odd number. Yeah. All right. 35 30, is an odd number. 35.9 seconds. Let's do that. The nine seconds. Oh, nine you want to go? All, the, okay. all right. Saba, we're going to begin with you. Time is yours. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I as, as was stated, my name is Saba Wampa. I live in West New York, New Jersey, um, which is actually the name of a town in New Jersey. Um, I'm originally from Berrien Springs, Michigan. I was born and raised there for many years, of course. And um, professionally, I've been in the digital marketing space um, my whole career. So um, I started off at Essence. Um, then I was working at Food Network for many years in digital marketing and advertising. And um, it is true, uh, I, I started Wakanda in 2008, which is also the same year I started my my business, um, To Do The Solutions. And um, it was... Uh, not um, for those of us who are about my age, um, you know, the internet has been a thing for a very long time and people commune there and connect there and are able to kind of experience life in a unique way that it can be complementary to um, in-person experiences. So uh, when we, when we started Wakanda, Wakanda, it was actually a reaction to the Black Panther movie and just the idea that um, black people have, there, there just is an experience that is nothing like what we see depicted in the media or in the world um, today and trying, trying to um, kind of base a Christian experience and community in that context was kind of the, the kind of goal and genesis. And then a pandemic happened and we're still here, hmm. um, but we can talk a little bit more about that later. But I'm, I'm thankful to be here with you all. I'm I, I'm I'm the wife of one husband and the mother of, of three, three little girls. So that's my life in a nutshell. Oh, wow. That's Amen. awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that little window into uh, Saba. Well, it looks like uh, we're having just a little bit of trouble, technical trouble coming out of Toronto today. So we're going to. Uh, See if we can get that taken care of. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and uh, we will go ahead and get started. Pastor Wade, would you lead us as we get kicked off? And right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy and your grace. And as we have this discussion, direct us as my prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. Well. Saab, it seems like you're going to carry us at the beginning here. Hopefully, uh, Pauline will work it out and uh, we'll get things in place. Um, listen, our first, our first question is this. Having been away from the building, 
uh, for some time now. Maybe, I don't know if you have returned or maybe some of our people have returned, but uh, I'm not sure if Pauline has returned as yet. But what are you excited about or what are you not so excited about as we return to worship in our buildings? Uh, uh, is there any anticipation or apprehension? Uh, definitely both. Um, as, as for me and my house, we're still in the house. Um, my, my little ones are nine, five, almost five. Happy birthday, Danielle. Um, and two and a half. And so they're not vaccinated yet. And, you know, the reality is there's just been so much, um, conversation online, which is the only way we can see each other. And there's a lot of people who seem to have within our community, um, been resistant to the vaccine. And so I'm not really prepared to go back into a space until at least I know my kids have kind of some form of protection. Um, I definitely am looking forward to going back. I definitely miss my church family. Um, but in many ways, I don't feel like I haven't been with them um, because we, we are still finding ways to be community. Um, my church in particular has church over Zoom. So it is a little bit more of an intimate experience than churches that are strictly on um, YouTube or on you know Facebook where you're not kind of seeing the members or having a moment to just kind of check in and, and say hello. Um, and, and you know, different communities are different sizes and have different complexities. I live, you know, my church is in Manhattan and so um, I just, I'm like, that's a lot of points of contact and just problematic contact tracing <laughs> that you might not have if you're in Berrien Springs. And so, you know, we would, we would want to be uh, prudent. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel that. I'm, I mean, I'm in Florida. We have more cases in the state of Florida. Well, Dion and Pastor Henry and I are, are down here and we're having more point, more uh, cases of, of that uh, Delta variant down here than than anywhere else. So so you're just you're saying, nah, I'm not going back right now. But you're not saying I'm not going back ever. Uh, no, it's not. A, it's not a never thing. But I don't I don't anticipate attending church every week ever again in my life. Like, I, I think I'm going to have a, and I, quite frankly, I had been thinking about it before, mm -hmm. which is to have like a schedule of, you know, maybe this week is the week we are going into church. This is another week that we're doing like a community service of some sort and a week that we just are together at home and like something where it's just not, going, going in every week. And like all that comes with that, um, that had been on my radar that my husband might be hearing this for the first time, but I, I don't <laughs> just like, we're going to do what? Um, but I, I mean, I, I, I have a, I have so much appreciation and I think I always did of like how much can be accomplished as a family, as a person, you know, within the Sabbath hours. And, and I think that, you know, if, if maybe let's say different churches, I think, so let me take a step back. I think the way we think about physical spaces is going to change across the board mm. for every three, okay. you know, schools are thinking about it differently. Uh, churches are, businesses are. So, you know, 
let's say more people adapted this idea of like, all right, we're going to have this building the first and third Sabbaths. And then another whole community could have it on the second and fourth Sabbaths. Like there wow. are dynamic ways of looking at the reality that, you know, we don't need this space to, you know, to, to spend, to pay mortgage for 30 days of the month to use it for roughly eight hours of the month, you know? So mm. that's my thought. That's, but I'm not a pastor. Wow, wow. That's interesting. No, you, yeah, I mean, you said a lot there. I mean, um, coming from the heart, you know, that we're not looking at church the same, but I know you were kind of thinking about um, doing something different as far as the weekly attendance. How did that come? How did that come to be? Like, what what gave you this uh, insight to say, you know what, maybe, I mean, I'm still involved. I'm still doing ministry. I'm still doing a lot of great things, but do I have to be there every week? You know, what, what how did this come about? Um, you know, I think, I, like, I have three girls. So that means starting getting ready with hair on, like, Tuesday to be ready for Saturday. Like, there's a lot that goes into just being ready to be present yeah. in a in a space. Um, but in, in all seriousness, I, I I think I was experiencing burning burnout, okay. working, you know, having to kind of have no intentional space. And so I think we were missing weeks at church just okay. incidentally, not intentionally. So it just made me really think about, like, how do we design be it really intentional to protect the Sabbath in a really renewing and powerful way and creating um, a lens for our girls as well to see the Sabbath in a really healthy and happy way um, for them to inherit and kind of hopefully keep on as a tradition. I think that was the genesis of, of church for me. And, you know, I think oftentimes people look at the um, pandemic as like what changed church, but we were having struggles getting people in the building before the pandemic. There was there was there was a challenge of physical gathering that was not related to threat of death. So um, I think being honest about that, we can we could look at reentry and really uh, thoughtful ways of, of redoing it because. We, we, we were already kind of, many people were already having that conversation of like, why, why aren't the young people here? And, you know, why don't you guys come to Sabbath school anymore? Like <laughs> those were pre pandemic um, conversations. Right. And I do think there's so much nostalgia, quite frankly, I think that's going to drive a lot of people to just come back and just be ready for 930 maybe or whatever time your Sabbath school starts. But I don't know that it'll be long lasting if it's kind of just nostalgia, because it's like, oh, yeah, you forgot about all the things that really annoyed you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, Pauline, good to have you here. I don't know. We didn't give her a chance to um, give us yes. 35 seconds about her. I don't know. Uh, Pastor Paul, do you want to do that now? Just yes, us a little let's bit about do that. You. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm so blessed to be here and to be asked to be a part of such a critical discussion as we move forward, especially as Seven Adventists. Um, I am a community activist. Um, I am very much involved in my church at different levels. Pastor Roger Wade knows me for years. Um, I, I worked uh, with the government, different levels of government as it relates to community activities. I was the president of the Black Business and Professional Association of Canada for over 10 years. 
uh, traveled with Prime Minister, go, gone to the White House, worked um, in the ghetto, go to Africa. I am a lover of community and I'm a humanitarian. I have, uh, you know, I received uh, many acknowledgments across the board from Canada Top 20 Women to you name it. Um, but I just love service and, um, and I, I think my groundedness started in the church and that's why I love my church so much. So anything to do with church and community, I am in the center of that. So thanks again for that opportunity to be a part of this critical conversation. Mm. Oh, wow. And we are excited and blessed to have you with us. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, Pauline, we'd like to have you take a, a crack at that question that uh, Pastor Wade, Pastor Wade, you want to, uh, to, to. Um, so Pauline, one of the, the first question we asked was, um, you know, we've been away from the building for some time now. Um, and I don't know if you, your, your group has returned or churches around you have returned, but what are you excited about or what are you apprehensive about in returning back to the building? Well, for us, we are a very forward-thinking church. And I think outside of the, the deaths, you know, um, I think COVID was a great thing for ministry. Um, I say so um, because I believe that as a, a church community, we should be on the cutting edge of ministry. And I find that we were too physical-centric in terms of, um, you know, having church. You know, we're we doing church, so we're having programming. We were not having ministry in terms of, reaching out to the community and making an impact. So, you know, Adventism in the church is safety. But with COVID, we have to get out of that comfort zone. And COVID forces us out of it. And then because our pastors, you know, pastors like mine, like Pastor Ellis, you know, he was a, already a forward thinker. He's, you know, he's a scientist. Um, and so I can't, again, he was on the, the, the cutting edge. But the pastors were more... Um, you know, you know, um, you know, they're living safety in the church, right? So now when you're forced out to bring a program to a, a, a level of standard, so you can, because now you're on the World Wide Web. You know, at church, we always say, when you go virtual, you're not just talking to the members right. who may plug in, that you may see plug in. You are talking to the world. So do you have, you know, or do you maintain that standard that, when someone sees it, we can be a tool for ministry because they're going to say, what is actually going on there? I need to see because God is being glorified. We are moving the agenda. We are moving the dial and we are praising God at the same time using technology. So, you know, I, I find that, um, they, they, that COVID did a great thing for Adventism. So, but at the same time, I want to be, understanding enough to know that we did have a few deaths, you know, but um, we also are now more ready to do ministry across the globe. Mm. Wow, that that's fascinating. Right. I, I, a couple of questions that have come up, or one in particular that I'd like to address. I was speaking to a, a former elder of mine just on on yesterday, and I was asking him about what the climate seemed to be in in that church in regard to people's intentions and desires to come back into the building. And and he said, "Well, there is that crew that um, it's not church, it's not real worship, it's not real church unless they are in the building and the pastor is in the robe and the you know the full full shebang. Um, that it ain't real church. It's, uh, you know, behind a screen, it's just it's not real. Then then um, then we found 
he, he said, and then there's the Fruit Loop troop um, or, or the Raisin Bran clan that, that they're going to sit at home and eat their Fruit Loops during Sabbath school and their Raisin Bran <laughs> during church and, and whatnot. And they are fine with it. That's, that's church for them. They're cool with that. Um, so the question that Stephanie, um, Stephanie, where did it go? Stephanie Scott um, but I, mm-hmm. does there seem to be an age factor when it comes to those who are wanting to return versus those who are, um, yeah, they're part of the Fruit Loop troop. Um, any, 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 uh, any ideas on that? Yeah. I think that's an interesting question, Pastor Paul, before um, our guests chime in. The reason I'm smiling at that question is because just this week I was um, in our workers meeting where our president was addressing that same issue uh-huh. and uh, based on the study from the Barner Group. And um, he was saying, uh, based on that study, that, um, you know, people want to return, you know. But again, the Barner Group, different denominations, it's interesting to see um, how it plays in Adventism. So I uh, just want to chime that in there. So I guess Pauline or, or uh, Saba, which, whichever one was. I, wanna, I actually want to ask that question. Because I want to. If I recall correctly, it was the Barner group that did the research that determined that regular members attend church once a month, that that was deemed a regular member within Christianity. Or it may be it may not have been the Barnard group, but I think there's one. I think maybe more to my initial point. No, no, no. You're correct. Regular. Att- Sorry. You're correct. Oh, pass away. Go ahead. The Barner. Yeah. So Barnard. And 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 I and, and I never know, right? So if I I hear that stat and I think, oh, okay, so the people who come to church once a month want to come back to church, and that is not once necessarily the <laughs> <laughs> like okay, that sounds reasonable. That's me, right? That's me at some point. Um, I think to your to the question, it, it's it's a complicated question. I, I think we have these ideas of like the there's a certain demographic. I'm going to use the word demographic that wants to be in church and 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 we I think we stereotype that as older people um but the reality is there were always older people and people of all ages who were not the sick and shut in and quite frankly our pre our pre uh digital ministries always shut them out and we always knew they were there and we just kind of pray with them within the four walls and like never try to make that outreach so I, and I do think there are definitely ones who maybe stereotypically are like myself, who are in their 30s, who are like, let me let me get my uh, lucky charms and enjoy this situation here and are totally fine with that. Um, but I, I think we have to be careful in looking at a solution as being targeted to any one particular group, because there are people who are younger, who have who maybe, you know, don't have young kids or who are just looking for community and like contact, maybe haven't had a hug in in 18 months. And so having physical spaces for people to meet up, do um, reach and connect with lots of different people of different ages for just different reasons. But I do think that when when we look at like a digital or a, a, a social media platform as a solution to young people, we negate the realities that there's a lot of invisible members of all ages that need need that contact and need that connection through digital means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I could just chime in. Um, can I at this yes, point? Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. Um, I agree with um, Baba. Masaba, right? Yes. Okay. I'm, yes. Going yeah. I'm telling you, I'm yes. going with Baba. Baba. Okay. Okay. Baba. <laughs> okay um, 
yeah, um, Saba hit uh, a good hit, hit uh, a good point in that we have to look at the demographic that we serve. Right, people come to church for different reasons. Not mm -hmm. all that we know of, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you look at us as human beings. You look at us psychologically, emotionally, um, intellectually, um, physically, whatever it is, right? However, the people who are coming to church, right, might be mm -hmm. people who are empty nesters, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always a need based on the, our bio, there, there's a need for us to wanting to be with someone else, right? And some people take advantage of that, right? But uh, all, but in this community that we now reside in with the pandemic, it has created a brand new community. Community. So now as a church, as a forward thinking church, we gotta think about how do we create a hybrid type of church? Because we may be leaning towards more virtual membership because the bait, not the, the, uh, the, um, the generation X, Y, whatever you call them, you know, millennials, they may say, okay, I don't have to drive my fast car to church and use all that gas because COVID made me comfortable. I never used mm. to make it to school, so now, what I, in our church, what we find is that Sabbath school numbers are gone up. Sabbath school, the, 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 the Sabbath schools for young people are now 30, 40. Can you imagine the Sabbath school for a young person at class, right? 30, 40 for the young people. They used to have five, six. Now, and people used to say, oh, no, they're goners. They're done. They don't want to come to church because they measure church based on attendance. But especially for Apple Creek, Apple Creek is, you know, the church in in, in Canada. <laughs> Pass away, you know. I know there are the Torontonians, right? But you know, uh, we, we believe in you know we, we believe in driving church. So church becomes the space that people want to be. It's not the afterthought, right? So when you're looking at our church and thinking of okay, so now the young people are thinking. I can be at Sabbath school at nine o'clock. I don't have to show my face on Zoom. I can, you know, and, and not that they were for, you know, you, you put them on the the list. You know what list our, our, our strong members put our young people on, right? Not that, that they were really on those lists, black lists in, in the past. But because of this church is a not a community church, it's more Chinese, is a we are living in the capital of the, the, the technolo technology capital of Canada, where you find the Chinese and others, right? Indians, that's there. We cannot appeal to them. We don't know the language, but we're here. We have one of the biggest churches in Canada. We're next to the, the city hall, right? Now, the people we have coming in are people, 50, 60 K is coming in. So by the time they get to church, they are an hour, two hours out. We we want to still keep church at nine o'clock. Now we're doing Zoom Sabbath school at 10. We were nine before. My question, are we going to come back to nine after we see the results? Or no? Church and spirituality is not about attendance. Wow. Make it in the space available for us to get the young people who are our future and our present to be a part of it. They got to be a part of the conversation. Mm. If they're not part of the conversation, we're going to die. So it was, it's going to be a dying church. So change of the dynamics, change of the infrastructure, and create a space where they can exist and survive and be our future, future leaders.
And I know I went no, all over the I place. love it. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. No, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. This kind of goes to the next question here. Um, so, you know, been out for, you know, out of the building, most places been out the building for a long time, right? Over, over a year, people now just are coming back into the building, but realizing that there are other ways, right? To, uh, create fellowship and to create a uh, community. So what are some of the lessons that we've learned during, and I want to say the height of the pandemic, and I want to be very cautious on that because, again, as I said earlier, the numbers are rising again, right? But what are some of the lessons that we've learned during the past year about how we do church absent from the building and the effectiveness of that? And then as we begin to have this re-entry or this reopening to the building, what are some of the things that you would like to see in the in-person space? Um, and some of the things that you would like to see maybe discarded from the in-person worship? I'm not over-romanticizing going back just yet. You know, I, I, I think, and I say that because um, I think a lot of how we used to talk about church was you know, griping over this and griping over that. And, you know, I'm hoping that once we do go back to in-person, um, we can just look at it with fresh eyes, you know, mm. based on, because again, I don't know what that timeline is for people. And so, um, you know, is proximity going to be something that people desire? Are people going to want to be sitting in pews and squeezing people in like sardines? Like how do we reorient ourselves to, um, being around strangers, what does what does friendliness look like in a space where like maybe hugging and handshakes are questionable? Like there's a lot of things that I would probably just want to again look at with with fresh eyes and say, you know, maybe here's a different way of of doing that. But I will say, and I do hope that every community does this, is that they look at it in their local context. And with okay. the people that are there, right? Um, I know there maybe there are different practices where everyone's like, okay, well, this should work everywhere. But the reality is, you know, what grows in Michigan doesn't grow in Florida. You know, just that's just like a basic agriculture thing. And so, you know, I hope different churches come up with different solutions that are really just honest and and um, uh, reflective of what the needs are locally. And I think they'll, they'll, they will bear appropriate fruit for those reasons um, because everyone's being kind of open to the spirit of what the Lord is leading them to do specifically to open up like hearts and minds and make people fe feel safe and aware. But, you know, um, I really miss con congregational singing. I really miss that. I, that that's like a a um a sensory experience that's not that you can't duplicate sermons you respectfully can duplicate via digital um methods but you can't you can't replicate the experience of like singing or even laughing in person so i feel like those are things i miss but i feel like un until a while from now um, that's going to be actually very terrifying. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm not rushing into congregational singing just yet. 
Yeah, I, I have to admit, uh, gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm feeling that wasabi is. I, I don't do Fruit Loops, but I do do Raisin Bran. I'm part of that Raisin Bran <laughs> clan. Um, and I'll admit that that, I, Saba, that's the one thing. I remember going to a funeral um, in the middle of this pandemic down here in South Florida where we had the highest numbers in the state and people were crammed into a fairly large church. There was no social distancing. Um, a lot of people were wearing masks, but when they stood up and they sang, they sang just an old hymn. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was just something about being in that space. And I know I'm probably getting COVID particles all over me, <laughs> but there was just some electricity in the building as they sang. Just I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, that's what I missed the most as well. But the rest of it, yeah. I shouldn't say it. I'm a preacher. I, I should have kept my mouth shut. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. Yes, Pauline. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I am an entrepreneur, right? I have a family business for 18 years, worked for Corporate Canada for most of my life. And um, for me to keep my job as a director for a Fortune 500, I have to, every day, I got to be creative. How I go to know that I am the best of the best, right? So I'm finding that we should run church the same way. We should, when, our, when the members are in the pews, they are there for something because there's something special going on in here. And so if we don't teach our, our pastors to be leaders and business owners of the gospel, then they're going to think that preaching the same old story, Sabbath or Sabbath, should keep the members. And now the members that they used to appeal to are baby boomers and below. And now you have these millennials who are virtually everywhere. They, they go a million miles a minute. They have no time for slow stuff going on because they're part of corporate America, corporate Canada, where seven day, six days a week, everything is going at a certain speed. You come in giving them the same old religion. I think... If people know that you're making the effort to be current and present and relevant in your moment, understanding that you understand the lay of the land, right? You understand the lay of the land, what is happening in your community, that you're not here at Seventh-day Adventist and the world exists over there. But if the young people know that you are present, you know what is going on out there with the government, you are seated at in, in the seats where governments are sitting talking about your religion. When you have major stuff happening in your community, you are present. Then the young people will know that, you know what? Yeah, I'm a part of something great. Not to push myself up. But I remember right, being the president of the BBPA, the prime minister, maybe I shouldn't say this online, is there, right? He's my keynote speaker, and he's doing it on the Sabbath. And he comes, and because I'm the president, you need to be the first one to greet the prime minister. Even though I'm not so anal about, you know, I'm anal about the Sabbath, but I didn't have to do it. But for me, as a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm saying, you know, could you wait five, 15 minutes more, please? Because my Sabbath, I'm not over the Sabbath threshold yet to meet him. His guys thought I was crazy. I'm saying, when we're in position to show respect to what we serve and who we serve, stand up. But if you are not delivering the goods for them to respect your leadership, they may not want to do that. 
But even then knows that seven day Venice, when we have seven days in, in the camp, we're gonna get the best of the best, and we see what they, their leadership produces, right? Then the thinking about us as a church is different. So let's step up to the plate after the the, the, the uh, multiple pandemic that we just had. Not just COVID, we have financial pandemic, we have social pandemic, we have all this wow. stuff. On Friday, I'm meeting with governments and all that stuff, talking about the 300 million that they're giving um, the black um, business people to see how we can, you know, move the dial. 200, well, 293 million, it's not much money. Don't get excited about that. But we can't speak to it if we don't have the head of, a uh, futuristic head of leadership, growth, and advancement. We got to speak to those issues and about sustainability. You can't sustain the church using the same old, same old from 1920s to now. It's non-existent. Church is going to die. And if I think we have some of the best of the best. And when I used to hang out with Pastor Wade and the brother, you remember the youth congresses? We had a movement going on with our young people. I'm not sure what's going on with that. But when Pastor Wade called, I said, Pastor Wade, it's nice to know that Canada... We had that friendship where our young people were moving together with our U.S. young people. Can we get back the movement? So when I see you guys doing what you're doing, I want to take my hat off to you. Get the conversations. Get those dialogues going and get action. Bring the business-minded people, the strategists in the game. How are we going to move this ministry? This is a good conversation to have. And I hope a lot of pastors are kind of chiming in, understanding that don't go back same, 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 same old, same old. It doesn't work unless you want to kill the church. You just want to um, commit suicide, just like that, of God's people. Wake Mercy. up, smell the possum, and get the job going. Think new. Think um, engagement. How are you going to engage those young people? Think wholesomeness. Be refocus. Refocus that thermometer where and make sure you have a plan and you have to able to chip off of the plan minute by minute it's inc incremental if you remember the results is based on the infrastructure if the infrastructure is weak the outcomes are going to be weak That's put right. the right wow. pillars in the right foundation in and let us move together as a, a, a collective to move the gospel agenda I'm sorry, so, I went off. I feel like I need you to can find just some imagine that I'm on appeal this stuff. Right I am. Now. Oh, I, I think my thing died on me. So, can you hear listen, me? So, okay, so <laughs> yeah. listen, um, based on what I've heard in this last in this last exchange, something that is a, there's a new word out yeah, there that thing, everyone's talking I'm, about is community. Everyone's talking about this community. Yeah. Community. We have to build oh, community. Yeah. In your ex, in your experience. I mean, Saba, you you have created a community online, but but here we are trying to go back into the building. Was there community before, or is this something new? In terms of, is this a new understanding because of of COVID that we have to build a new community? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> um, I sorry, Saba. <laughs> Um, technology. <laughs> That's why. I, I think. Um, I think the ways in which people understand and value community have shifted, but um, they're not all. It's not a new concept. 
So, and, and again, you know, I, sometimes when we have these conversations, they're so centric to Adventism and they're not really, um, acknowledging just how much the whole world is in the same boat as we are. Everyone that has real estate and that is trying to connect people is in the same conundrum of how do we, um, how do we, how do we connect with the people that we're looking for in the ways that we want to? Um, and so there are lots of, there are lots of resources and there's lots of thinking going on around this. And so the thing around community, I will say is one, I think the reality that a lot of churches have to consider is that they're still in physical spaces. They're, they're, they have zip codes and that, and, and, um, you know, to Pauline's point, like there are people who are coming an hour to come to her church. And similar to us, we were drive we drive an hour to go to our church. Um, but some of our churches, and this is maybe an anti young person thing to say, are going to have to let go of all of the efforts they were doing on online in order to refocus on being in a physical space and connecting with people. Um, mm. They just don't have the resources. You know, they don't have the manpower. You can't take the the one or two or two, even if you are have a, a bounty of three people on your media team and have them to be astute and, and really great at having being, you know, kind of omnipresent physically and, and digitally. So again, wow. every, every church needs to be really intentional about like what, what seed are we going to water when it comes to rebuilding our, our church communities? Wow. And what is, you know, who, who are those people and what are we trying to get them to accomplish? Make that something measurable. Um, and, you know, for us online, you know, I, we, we have we have a name for ourselves. We have a logo like there's little things in which people can feel belonging to. But the only other thing I think is really important for people to consider, especially church identity, is like you can people may not have like exclusive relationships with their churches anymore. I think that might be another dynamic that people wow. consider as like, yeah. right? So by all means and on paper, like I am a member of Advent Hope Church in New York City because of the um, quarantine, I'm like also a member-ish at uh, Tacoma Park Church and our giving reflects that, right? But like, it is not, it's not a competition. I know there's language within the, the pastoral set about sheep stealing, but like we can have additive, you know, uh, or supplementary church communities, which is always the way I felt about Wakanda. And I will take this time to say, you know, before we well, kind of started in 2018 and we were really intentional pastor Josiah and I, I was like, I'm never going to have a program on Saturday. We'll have Friday night Vespers because at the time nobody was doing online Vespers. I was like, mm -hmm. we, I don't want to be a distraction for lack of a better term to being in person and having church with people if you can. So we just never, ever, ever had church on Sabbath. Um, but we did Friday night, like we can have this moment together and then people can go wherever they go across the world to church. If that is their thing, cause you know, not everybody's necessarily an active Seventh-day Adventist. And so, you know, having picked that lane, 
we weren't necessarily in competition when the pandemic started and everybody's church was online on Sabbath. Like we could always bring all those sermons into the group and everybody could maybe find a new community or find a new church. That was like always something really awesome. So if someone comes out of quarantine and they're like, we're going to meet at seven o'clock in the morning, that's a that's a time of the day for some people in your local area where there's like, I'm going to the seven o'clock service and I can still go to the 11 o'clock elsewhere and then a potluck somewhere else, like kind of setting up tables and seeing who shows up and finding new ways to really think about stuff. Like people will be attracted to that and you just really don't know who you'll pick up along the way, but don't be afraid of it. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I have loved, loved, loved over this time. I think as Pauline mentioned earlier, I've loved seeing the content of, of that that our churches and our pastors have had to come up with in this virtual space that are scratching where people have always been itching, but we didn't have what we needed um, to be able to to, to reach there um, simply because we didn't take the time to think it through. But now we've been forced into the into the habit of having to do it. Um, so it sounds like Saba, you are not back in the building. Pauline, I'm not, I wasn't clear from what you said at, at Apple Creek. Are you guys back in your building yet or no? No, we're preparing to go back, but, okay. uh, we have strong guidelines and protocol and we want to make sure that number one, we're in compliance with the protocol to do with the community in which we're, we're, we we're located. Right, so as a church, mm -hmm. we're a very professional church, um, very much involved with um, in the political arena, right? Because we, we got to keep them close to us so we know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so we are not the rebels who are going to go outside of the protocol because we also know that God has made us wise that nobody can keep anything thing from us now because we have a virtual space. But if we're going mm -hmm. into church, we have to understand the nuances we you have to understand the protocols, social distance stuff, and all the other stuff that we have to take care of before we go into church. And also understand how we're going to manage all of that. Because if I'm coming to church and I'm coming a narrow way and I want to meet, get to Sabbath school, and by the time I get to Sabbath school, there's a long lineup with some of the ushers saying, did you go outside of the country? Did you take your shots? And this one said, no, she didn't take it. No, this one is lying. And then now they, they, they're fighting at the, <laughs> at the front of the, like, do we know what we're opening ourselves up to, right? When, when we open the doors to say we are ready to go in, what is readiness? What does it look like, right? And what is going to take to, to to manage the readiness? So this is where we need the visionaries and the strategists who have their ears to the ground to ensure that they understand the protocol out there. They're working with public, um, the um, public health, right? They're working with the, the chief executive officer, responsible medical officer. You're working, you understand all the documents coming down from our governments to know that when you open church, a lot of eyes will be open to see what you're doing and mm -hmm. that you have it. And what you're going and look at the implications and repercussion of you opening and what it has to do with the members. And remember the multiple demographics that you have within the membership, right? Okay. What are the nuances? And now, on top of the prior to um, prior to us going virtual, remember, right? Now you have a new brand um, group of people, and those came in from listening online. 
So how are you mm-hmm. going to create a hybrid? Because I, I, I have a, I have a, um, a, a charitable organization, education, educational organization, and the the role is leave no child behind. Mm-hmm. I hmm. think that as leaders, I I work for a competitor, right? The reason why we're able to scale up because you know what, competition keeps us grounded. And you have to wake up every morning with more juice and more juice. How you keep your clientele? Get up church and you get some juice as to how you keep this new demographic of people understanding that you have 200 more you never had and they don't know what your church looks like. Wow, wow. It has to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. So listen, I want to, I want to, first of all, I want to, I want to correct myself uh, on, on who just said earlier that it was 9,000 engaged every week. Um, he knows Saba, he want to let you know, he knows that there's 11.5 and he was just saying that there's 9,000 engaged. So that was my bad. I, I quoted him incorrectly. So I apologize for that. Um, by the way, Pauline, I wanted to let you know, I, and I think Saba, but for our, our guest, there's a little window to the right, a little icon to the right of your window. If you click that, you will be able to see all of the chat that's coming in in your window as well. Um, I don't think yeah, I would have. I that you I found that. Okay. Awesome. I have them having some, okay. some supporters on the U.S. side. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. So, so here's, I want to romanticize that question if I can a little bit. Um, since Saba says she didn't want to romanticize, I want to romanticize that journey back. So neither one of you are back in the building yet. Um, but let's, what's one of the first things that you'd like to do that you envision yourself doing once church does open up and you are back in your building? Is there a, a romanticized vision in your head of this is what that day is going to be like? And this is the first thing that I want to do um, when you get back there. And then a follow up to that, um, what would be some of the challenges like in your specific church or in churches in general? And although we've covered some already, I think we've covered quite a bit of that. What might be some of the challenges that you see um, in going back into the building? And and just for conversation's sake, let's take the health concerns off the table for this question. I think we all know that there can be some health concerns mm-hmm. going back, but more there be some, some other concerns that you would have in going back. So number one, um, what is the first thing that you want to do and what might be some of the challenges in doing that i miss hugs you know i do i miss hugs from like like the the the, when we all get to heaven playing a song and we kind of be and greet each other like i like that um um for our audience you can answer that too in the chat because we'd love to see Mm -hmm. for that for that for all of you out there as well what's one of the first things that you'd like to do when you go back what I like to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was being honest. Like, I'm not really romanticizing any of it. I think the the singing and hugs will be something that, like, I will really look forward to doing. But again, I think because that's what I want out of the physical experience, I'm going to be the last one to be there. Like, I'm going to let y'all go ahead. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Caleb and Joshua go ahead and try it out and come back. <laughs> there we go. Um, and and see um but yeah i think that that's it i think in terms of anything i'm apprehensive about i think the the opposite of that is true which is you know we always have a really bad rep not 
just generally speaking that, you know, um, Christians are not warm and, and, and they're standoffish and all that kind of stuff. And like, if I'm standoff, if, 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 if all of this just kind of compounds this idea that we're standoffish and I'm like, well, I'm hugging all the people that I saw their vaccine cards on social media and they're like, whatever. <laughs> like, I think Pauline's right, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm making a list and checking it twice. I'm like, you know, you know, and, and also what will be hard for me as a parent is helping my kids to learn how to navigate in this space with whatever additional rules that like they well, they'll have so you know maybe maybe there'll be children's ministries and we have so many really great ones out there who will have the equivalent of like you know going back to church like they did for going back to school so there was a lot of people who made like children's books or videos around like here's what to expect when you go back to church or to school rather that maybe if some of that was taken off of the burden of of, of parents um, could make it a little easier for the kids because wow. we were already worried about people being like, get your kids to be quiet. And there's going to be another layer of like, you know, children decorum in churches, maybe, um, that will have to be, will be under pressure for. Yeah, I think parents are going to be holding their kids a little bit tighter. Some of those kids you used to go and pick up and hold and squeeze. Parents might be a little, uh, yo, yo, yeah. yo, yo, hey. Yeah. Oh, my. Pauline. Yeah, for me, um, I, I miss the fellowship. But um, because most of my life was in um, leadership mm-hmm. and owning my own business, I am more, I, I am... Everything for me, there, there has to be a, a number, you know, it's got to be calculated. Um, it's, uh, you know, I have the faith piece too, right? but I'm more a strategist. I'm moving into this like a, a, a scientist. So now church just opened after two years. I, I'm in there looking at the shifting dynamics, what I need to observe when I go to the board, what I can gather in order to make the right change so our membership is happy. So... I wouldn't be jumping in and hugging people right away. And and and, and you're talking about someone I've never been sick in my life, never taken an aspirin. I'm, I'm I'm fanatical about almost everything I do. I do everything over. <laughs> I'm overt. <laughs> yeah. But um and so for me, I, I gotta you know, I think God has given us the wisdom to check things out. And that's why for me and my board, you know, our board, I'm thinking, okay, can we make sure there's a prototype that we have enough data? So empirical data, you know, we can use this to say, okay, someone tested it over there, and this is what they got, they got right? So can we use that to see how we, we fashion ours? Then I don't want to be the scapegoat. I don't want to throw my people first out there, and then they're going to be the ones setting the, the records for others, and then they're going to, I'm, I'm going to lose them in the process because I throw them out there and did not protect their walls, the walls in which they mm-hmm. reside. Right. So for me, I believe I should, we should wait, get the statistic down, work with governments, work with the public health department, know the data, then make the right decision because people are going to come with the mask on. You know, how do Mm -hmm. you know that you're improving the relationship? Right. You know, my romanticizing this is like, if you have a relationship, you know, physical relationship, and after you haven't seen the person for a long time, they come back with a mask. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not romanticizing it. Wow. Yeah. Because what 
how, the way they're coming, you know, inhibits relationship. Because you still okay. have to be miles, eight, eight mm. feet apart. You have to wear your mask. People are singing and they're saying that, okay, I can't sing with the mask. A lot of people saying they can't sing with the mask, right? So it, it seems like I'm back into church, but I'm not experiencing the fellowship because at church, I go for fellowship and love. It's not mm-hmm. there. So how do we create that? And so let's create no. a prototype, test the prototype, and then apply the print, whatever the outcomes are so we are better prepared for a larger community, church yeah. community. All right. Very good. Points. Right, right. This is, I mean, yeah, these are these are some excellent points. Um, just talking about the just the mindset, you know, of uh, we're doing ministry. I mean, I, I'm apprehensive of really going back into a building because, you know, the main thing is ministry. And, you know, if ministry is happening in this space here, we want to make sure that we uh, implement um, all the concepts and all the things in this space here so that when we go, if we, you know, when, when is that time, right, <laughs> to, to go back to the building, um, we can make sure that ministry is still happening. So let me ask you this. So um, as we think about it again, again, you know, people are going back into this building. Uh, what do you think, what do you expect from the, the pastors, from the leaders, mm. Um, what do you expect for them to address as they get back in the building? Uh, because in the virtual space, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, when when things were really closed down and, man, I was, you know, just just looking at community and, and you know, we had our online ministry there from the church and, and just, you know, also supporting my brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. It was all about the community. I mean, the messages were about the community. The messages were about engagement. Messages were about let's help one another out, you know. And so these online ministries start popping up and, and just a lot of collaboration, right? So... As we get back into this building, what are what, what do you expect from the pastors? What do you expect from the leaders? Uh, what are some of the key areas that you feel need to be the focus? All right, I'm going to get my counter to count all the people who are going to say shorter sermons. I know that's going to be a number of shorter sermons. <laughs> no, so I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say shorter sermons. I'm going to actually say, one, I would love it if they had like um, reorientations. Like if whether some of that was in person for people and say like, all right, we're, we're coming in on a on a Tuesday at eight o'clock p.m. And we're going to let people kind of enter in the space, just casual, explain different things, do a tour, whatever that is. Right. Because I don't know how much of these buildings have changed um, because I feel like there's there's too much business to necessarily just walk in cold on a Sabbath morning. So I think. Um, uh, kind of separating the specifics around managing in the space from the worship time, I think could go a long way of just letting people to, to the point of like, there's going to be so much anticipation for those people who are going to be coming back to church that it's going to just be like 2019 all over again. Like, but we, I think there has to be a time and space for just like the critical conversations. In addition to that, I think, um, the pastors, leaders, um, leadership team boards, there should be a lot of, you know, very explicit communication around expectations for people who are coming into the space. And I think giving people the language for how they're going to interact with one another and saying, all right, if you, if you, if you come across somebody with a mask, leave them alone. I mean, whatever, whatever your terms are in your space so that, 
people kind of have terms of, of engagement within within your context because every every church is going to be different for whatever reason um and so i feel like people will need some confidence coming back into these physical spaces of what it is they're doing there and why they're doing it and and if there's going to be a change that the same method is applied to how those um how that's how that's going to happen so if if you do a set where, you know, people don't like announcements. I know this. So I just, for the, for the record, yes, I have a large Facebook um, community. People still don't read the announcements. Um, it's, 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 it's the, it is, it is the elect. That. And that's the 10%, you know, maybe of people who will read the announcements, but I just do think it is on leaders to have been, have been able to say it exists. And also keeping in mind, creating it in multiple modalities so that if it is people who need to hear it in person, if it is people who are only going to read it on their phone, if it is people who are only going to interact with you on social media, that you've been um, contextual in how, how you how you deliver that. Um, and again, people are going to complain. There's not enough announcements. There's too long, too long of announcements. There's, the sermon's too long. I wanted 15 songs. Like, I just don't, I think we should just accept that those dynamics are always going to exist. I did want to, and I know I'm slightly changing gears, but um, Rob Peters has been talking a little bit about smaller churches and possibly having a digital outreach. You know, I love smaller churches for being smaller churches that do that kind of work and have that level of community. Um, I, I lived in Berrien Springs. PMC was the church that you went to when you wanted, like, a mega church with the whole media play like that was an experience but then separately all nations was its own thing and so if your church is more like respectfully like an aa meeting of people who are very intimate with one another and are kind of having um deeply personal experiences don't dilute that with needing to have a digital persona, so to speak, because then you can, because you can't have both in certain, in certain ways. So I don't want anyone who has a smaller church to feel like we're not being innovative. If in fact, we're being, you know, digital and all this kind of stuff, like it's still very powerful and very, uh, innovative to find ways to bring people in, in person. Um, but again, if, if you're going to be closing down your, your digital offerings, research other places where people can go because if you are in a digital community you don't physically have to be anywhere you could be watching a church anywhere in the world quite frankly so you know the fact that two or three people might not be able to watch your program anymore because you you shut down um i wouldn't i wouldn't keep doing it quite frankly if if you could be more powerful in person with whatever resources, you know, the Lord has given you, you know, not, not everybody had the 10 talents. <laughs> yeah. I think Saba, one of the things and, and to the other pastors here, well, first of all, I just want to want to run this by the other pastors. Cause I think we've all experienced this. It's funny that, um, we often have a, a host of people who complain about the announcements in church and how long they take. 
Have you ever, guys, to my other pastors here, have you ever realized or, or seen that when those same individuals then are elected to become uh, a departmental leader, then those turn out to be the same people wanting you to read their <laughs> announcement? Nobody else is. But now the announcements have to go out. They complained about it before, but now when it's their program or their event, now they want all the, the program. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to win, hard to win in that scenario. Um, Roger. Yeah, I was, I was, I wasn't sure where we were going to head to, but yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the the impact, or not the impact, the the skewing of the, of the understanding from from uh, Saba and from Christine, um, Pauline, um, the, you know, how they're thinking about about this. Because as a pastor, uh, someone made a comment about, I think uh, Pauline made a comment about um, pastors should have a sense of organization and business, but that's not what we go to school for. We go to school to learn how to take the word of God and, 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 and twist it and use it and interpret it and get it behind. So we really don't have the business attributes. It's a blessing when that's additional skill you have. But, but um, as, as members, what is it that we can do is as we head back into, as we head back into the, the re as we go to the return, I don't want to say head back into the building, as we go into the return, Maybe that's the new thing. Now, we're not necessarily going into the building. We're returning back to some kind of connection, some kind of community. Um, we talked about some lessons. We talked about some things you would like to see happen. But, 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 but what exactly, um, what can pastors do to engage, um, as you, from your perspective, what can we do to engage you to help us? meet the needs of things that we we may we may not be oblivious to or we are oblivious to i should say um i think that um we have to be cognizant of the fact that our membership has just gone through trauma right because we're not robots right we have to serve our community our church community understanding that you know we we need to preach the gospel but we're preaching to people who have different needs. So if you watch the numbers, mental illness went crazy. Divorce rate went crazy. All the stuff is happening, but we think that it's not happening to the church. The church is over here in a community by itself and reality doesn't, doesn't go over there or disturb it. So we would have to think of where, really check the thermometer as to where my membership is that we need to do survey monkey get a feel how can we get a feel for the temperature of the church where the people are when we make the effort to do those little things to hear them speak their minds or to have them be engaged and have a say then they know that you are really moving the church thinking of them because if we don't, no, they don't have to come because we have to take some serious look at virtual membership. The people, mm -hmm. we may lose a percentage of our people and they may just say, oh, Seventh-day Adventism is a global uh, church. It's a global movement. Anywhere I go, I have a cousin, I have a brother. So this one doesn't suit me well, I go over here, right? So I think we, we just have to think of that, that we need to think of the people's needs their, their personal 
um, needs, their mental needs, their psychological needs. We need to think of that. We also got to think that some of them have been hit financially. For example, my family, we decided that we we're going to do a food drive during COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's not for the people who are marginalized in our social view, but for people in our church, if they want some food, you don't have to put your name. Just go take it. Mm -hmm. Don't stigmatize it hmm. because people have needs, but they dress up in that clothes that can fit them from their 19 because they never change weight. And they come to church and you think that business is usual. You're not digging deep to say, what just happened to my membership? And how I need to assess that and also speak on behalf of those who will not speak because we have to be a voice for the voiceless. So how deep are we going in finding out? Are we going to say, okay, they never said it, so I don't want to pry. You don't want to pry because you don't want to address it because you don't know how to address it. And there are people in our church and in our churches who have the credentials. They have the teaching, learning, whatever. Pull on those people. We don't have to use only the elders or the people on our board. I always say, when I have a team, this team is given to me by the nominating committee. It doesn't mean that, okay, I stop that service or ministry because I don't have enough people. No, you are given the leadership. You are the CEO or the VP or senior VP of your department. Go find officers in the church or other people in the church that can assist you. Give, show them the benefits of being under your leadership, what they can gain without being given money. So we are not using, we are given a, a huge capacity. Seventh-day Adventism has the capacity to move the, the whole entire world. We're talking about money. We have money. We have all the resources. Wow. We have money to do this because now we, now we have to do more. Money is there, but you're not engaging the people who have the money because we hate on the people with the money. Mercy. Instead of bringing them into the church and utilize the resources that God has given us. Why do we need? We need nothing. We just don't know how to strategize, right? Understand the dynamics at, at, at play and gain their interest to come in and help us move ministry. We just talk rhetoric. Get on the podium, stop talking, and get out there and do. Let's do. Not the pastors I'm talking, I'm talking to everybody. Talking me too. We have some musicians out there. I, I need y'all to send me some organ riffs so that when, when folk come on and preach like this, we can we can hit that little, play that little organ riff behind there when we get some oh preachers my. on like that. My, 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 my. <laughs> That wow. was powerful. <laughs> I think so. Um, I, I agree. I think there's a there's a certain energy that we need to get all hands on deck to really finish the work and not leave it on the, the shoulders of pastors, which I know some some often feel. Um, I do and I'm 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 not a pastor. I know people think that because of the group, but it's not at all true. <laughs> um, uh, also an entrepreneur. I, I think that I also really want pastors to um, take inventory of just their own exhaustion and their own fatigue and to really um, like, let's all build a manageable, sustainable model for what mm -hmm. church looks like moving forward. You know, I think that there have been, and I hear it all the time I hear it in the group, I've just, you know, all my life where it's like, the pastors need to do this and the pastors have to do that. And I'm like, I'm sorry one, two, three humans need to, to what now? Like, um, we have to be, I hope more members are more supportive and, um, mindful of the, everyone's humanity, quite frankly, 
And, you know, when we're asking pastors like church has to open, church has to open, church has to open, you know, that's really the same thing as what we are asking, you know, frontline workers to do. And that's not a small task, especially knowing that um, we are we are we are going to be taking on risk. So I would definitely want pastors to really model the self-care um, that is required to just be living and doing well in this space. Um for many, many different reasons. Um, I also think that local partnerships are more important than ever. I felt this way before COVID and I feel this way now. Yeah, like if you have a, if you have three people in your adventurers troop, like go find a neighbor, you know, yeah. you know, look next door and say, hey, you got five kids. We got five kids. Like how oh, can no. we work together to have sensible ministry teams that can work. You know, what, what does that sharing look like? I mean, businesses do this all the time. Um, and, and, and there could be loose, I know that's not like a traditional model, but I think it, it's quite frankly, very forward thinking compared to some of what people have done where they're like, you know, I can't justify running a ministry. So I close it. And then you lose the whole family. Whereas you mm, could maybe keep yeah, yeah. a family in for this portion because adventurers is only meeting once a month anyway, or, or Pathfinders, or mm-hmm. or maybe you want to do an, an, a, a test, a pilot of a ministry or for, for senior citizens who, for whatever reason, you know, want connection. You can make that a uh, an Orlando-wide initiative and see how many people congregate, share spaces maybe monthly, like share the load. I, I, I think some of this, like it has to be only within my building ministry mm-hmm. or, or perspective is not healthy uh, and it's not sustainable. And like, that's not really what people aren't necessarily asking for either. So that that's all I would say. That, that's yeah. some that's some good stuff. Uh, a sustainable structure. Right. I think you said something about we have to have a sustainable model. And uh, that you know what? That's that's a whole different uh, show, because I'm very interested in your concept um, on what what do you think might work? Um, or be more effective as as we look at the the model of the church. Um, you know, we have this model, and I <laughs> I, know, I know my co-hosts they always you know hear me say this, but we have a union conference division, and uh, and and you know it, I, I like the worldwide reach definitely. I mean, this church you know we're worldwide, we're connected. Um, are there some things that we can do that might within the structure that would be more effective, especially more appealing maybe to you know, your your target um, group or your age bracket, you know, what can we do? You know, I, I would say for, I've been thinking about it for a while. I got a Peloton over quarantine because who didn't? I mean, I know a lot of people didn't, but it was just a thing people were doing. And I think there is a church model that is very comparable to Peloton, quite frankly. Like I can very much see... Um, and for those who don't know what a Peloton is or, or, and I didn't really understand it until I had one. So I don't know that I can really convey it in any, by words alone, but their Peloton has done an amazing job of one, they sell the bike, but you don't have to have the bike. You just can have this app and there are tons of live classes and then classes you watch later and they do different series of different things. But then 
And so there's like the different personalities, right? Who are the classes and those could be pastors, speakers, whatever. And if you're logged in, you know, they do some acknowledgement and it, it feels very personal. Like you feel like you're there. They'll be like, oh, this person's in from Tennessee or whatever. And people like live for that. People, people want like to just be acknowledged and they feel they can see that there's like 6,000 people in class and whatever. But like, then there's these sub communities where there's like a hundred thousand people in a group about Peloton and they're like responding to, oh, you know, I'm, I'm all going to get on this class and like, all, and all responding to each other. And that stuff feels very, 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 very real to really all of us. Right. And there's a, and there's a sense of you it being together. Now, again, that's not for everybody that could be in many languages, quite frankly, that could be that like you're having people over your house and you guys are watching a particular experience together that is kind of on this digital platform. But when you listen to what the guy who started Peloton said, he said, my wife, I, we both love cycling. OK, and I think this is the most important thing. Him and his wife both love cycling, but his wife was the only one who had the organizational skills to book a class on SoulCycle and a bike. You had, to, you had to like have, you had like 30 seconds where you could like get online, pick the time that you wanted, pick the bike. And that's how you were able to get into these really exclusive classes for SoulCycle. Um, and, and if you didn't get in, you couldn't get in. And that was kind of how they hyped this experience. Right. And he was like, I want to get on a bike, but I can't do that. Like those first three steps. And now he's a billionaire, right? Because he literally just said, I will give you a bike and I will put the content out there for you and you can do it at the time we're doing it if you want. And I'm not limited to 30 people in a classroom at any one time like SoulCycle. Oh boy. I, could, I have tens of thousands of people on at any given time and the people who do it later, they still have the same benefit as the people who did it at the same time. So that is a completely secular model where anything can be on that screen and every anyone can be blessed and that can be worldwide and that could be $50 a month. I don't know. Right. But I can still the people who have Pelotons. They still go to CrossFit. They still have a mirror. They're still doing a lot of other things. Right. It's not their exclusive way to fitness or community. So, you know, the people who love God, love him. All the days of the week, not just Saturday between 11 and 2 or 9 and 2, right? So how do we fill as many of those spots with powerful, uh, God-centered experiences for people to find God in each other? That's that, that, which, which, if you focus on that, you will see many, many opportunities. Wow. Saba, mm -hmm. I, I, I would love to, to, to argue that point if we had the time that that is no, purely a secular model. I could show you, we can show you that, that that's a spiritual model that God has already embedded into the fabric of what he desired the church to be able to be. We don't have time. Our time is the time is up right now. But, but powerful stuff. That's like the beginning of a whole nother conversation that I think... Um, <laughs> that that our our structure our, our organization we, we are desperate to have that conversation um and so many others and you both you and pauline have have just given us um i feel like we've we've just touched the tip of the iceberg in 
talking about some very real and relevant ways um, that the church has to consider when it comes to doing ministry going forward in and out of our building. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for the contribution that both of you have made to this conversation today. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just opened up another, another, another conversation that we're going to have to have. But uh, you all have been excellent. I, I, you know, for me, giving uh, a, another perspective on this whole thing about returning to the to the building to that to that space, and and realizing that you know what, let's just make sure we keep our mind focused on ministry, right? Because ministry, whether it's in the virtual space, whether it's in the personal space, it, ministry has to happen. And finding creative ways to do ministry, like creating community. Um, that's the that's the route to go. So thank you so much for coming on to Pastors Roundtable today. What, what thank can you. I say? You're welcome.